0: Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs' Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Lure, and I'm excited to have another good friend on the line all the way from Switzerland, Mr. Alistair Gosling. How are you doing, Al? I'm super well, Marcus, and your are good self. All good with you? Yeah, perfect, perfect. Uh, and thank you for joining us here today. I know you're uh, traveling there and uh, appreciate you making time. So uh, but before we get started, I always want to make sure that our listeners really have a good sense of uh, who is the other person on the other line here. Uh, Al is celebrating his 25th anniversary uh, and the founding of the Extreme Sports Company. So clearly, we'll be spending a lot of time digging deep into the exciting things Al has done over those 25 years. Um, everything from launching the Extreme Sports Channel to the Creative Studio, uh, brand licensing, tourism-related activities, uh, and everything in between. So all those things will come a bit later. Uh, in addition, Al is also currently advising uh, and sitting on the board of a company called Kidia in Saudi Arabia, yeah. which is, a, again, a very exciting project we'll be touching on further down the line here. Um, Al is also is an investor in a host of different things, and maybe we have a chance to talk a bit about it later. Uh, and then I like uh, one of the comments in your LinkedIn profile, which says you're a public speaker, which likes talking about what he got right and what went wrong. Uh, and this is really what uh, the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast is all about. Uh, it isn't just talking about and gloating all the great things uh, people have done, but uh, it's also digging deeper into what went wrong and the learnings out of that, which in, from my own personal experience, I've always actually deeper. Uh, the, the wounds are, are, are things we, uh, we, we learn a lot more from than the things we're doing right. It's is my own personal experience. So uh, that's a quick little warm-up on Al um, and much more to come. Uh, but we always start with a warm-up sort of story, you know, like you do in sports. And, uh, and having been doing this now for 25 years, first of all, congratulations to that 25 years anniversary here, Al. Uh, tell us a bit how it all started, you know, how you got in, after college into, into the world of extreme sports, uh, which of course has changed dramatically over the years now, um, and we'll touch on that later. You know, were you an athlete yourself, or what was it what got you into this game?
1: Hey, Marcus yeah well first of all thank you so much for that uh, super kind intro um you know really really helpful um forgive the uh the office dog in the background little bark there from uh, from Biggles um so yeah so um really uh, from from my side uh, it, it all started with a passion for the sports right so um you know I grew up just loving the beach the sea the ocean um a big uh windsurfer kite surfer surfer and and then the mountains were the other cooling in terms of uh you know been skiing from a very young age from you know lucky enough my parents you know took me uh and then got into mountaineering more and and ski touring and ice climbing and 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 those sides oh, really? i also <laughs> yeah and pilot and and yeah so it's it's really uh it came from that passion for for the sports, um, you know uh, yeah and and i basically you mentioned finishing college so i didn't go to university um i'm dyslexic and so you know the study side of things um were were tough for me no two ways about it but um actually one interesting thing i think with with the random one off here is is on the dyslexic side of things is when you're at school with dyslexia you're basically told you're you're bad at stuff all the time so when you then get out in the outside world you kind of uh you kind of and you're you're being an entrepreneur, you're you're being told no all the time and it doesn't affect you. Whereas if you've been super successful at school and you're told, good boy, done really well, good girl, done really well at school all the time. And then you get into that side of things. It affects you every time somebody says no or it's no good or whatever. So I think there's a tenacity built up um, from that part, which is which is interesting. But um, but yeah, so I really uh, left school uh, and worked in uh, the music industry for a couple of years. I worked in, um, I travelled and lived in uh, the Caribbean, the Bahamas, sailing. I've got my dive master ticket, my boat master ticket, and I'm a pilot as well. So I did that for a couple of years, and then got home, age 24, and you know, pressure from my parents, what are you going to do? And uh, and I I I loosely, you know, I read Mark McCormack, the late Mark McCormack's book. Yeah. Uh, various books he'd written, and that inspired me to set up Extreme. And right. uh, his his focus was obviously golf and tennis and cricket and the mainstream sports. And I said, hey, I'm going to focus on on the niche that at that point they were still very niche yeah. on uh, action and adventure sports. So, you know, literally that's that's how it started, and that's how we you know we got off the off the out of the gate um, in in September of uh, 1995 ultimately.
0: Yeah, awesome, amazing, and I remember we caught up a few years after when I think at Sportel we were to be hanging out there trying to pitch certain uh, you know sports shows around the world, and you were always the man there with uh, extreme sports, um, you know. Talk a bit about the early parts of the of the company. Um, how did you you know you you created content yourself, or you guys were just representing other other extreme sports which were out there already? So wh- how did you really get the get the first you know sort of dollar start roll here?
1: Yeah, so you know um, this was really we set up uh, actually we set up two parts of the business. One was athlete- representing athletes, similar to IMG and
0: mm. TWI,
1: and the other was producing. Uh, and distributing content, but we were definitely focused on producing to start with. Um, and slowly but quickly said, okay, the athlete management side of things in in the in that space in that and our sector was was difficult. you know these guys were very, very free spirited and, and so we uh, we focused in on the on the TV distribution and production side and um, really, really focused in and, and built, you know, the world's first uh, focused, targeted niche distribution business. Um, and so anybody producing any, whether it was surfing series or mountain bike or snowboard or ski or, you know, whatever sport it was, any producer around the world who was making that, we, we, we'd have a conversation with, we'd end up hopefully repping them. And we did. And we built a, you know, built a, a small business, but a team of 10. Uh, operating, going to Sportel, Mipcom, MipTV, you know, all the usual trade shows. And, you know, broadcasters around the world, and you've got to remember this is before the internet to a degree, it was just yeah. coming on stream at that point. You know, any broadcaster was thinking, hey, I need some of that content for, for whichever channel in whatever country it was, yeah. we generally would get the call. And so, you know, the revenues being built reasonably quickly and uh, we were, we were, you know, we were trucking along the road and um, yeah, having an amazing time. And as you said, that's where we we, we first bumped into each other at uh, at the Sportells, which was yeah. uh, great great old days with that's a it. fantastic bunch of people.
0: Paddling sports rights. Um, now you obviously reasonably quickly moved into and, and created the extreme extreme sports channel. Um, but this, you know, and I can't remember exactly the when when that when it was launched. But I do remember it was a big thing, and you you did obviously also raise a reasonably significant amount of money. I think it's 35 million dollars, or at least that's what I read uh, from groups like UPC and, and Liberty Media. Um, how did you manage to do that? How do you get from you know selling just content to creating a whole channel and convincing? You know, some fairly blue-chip investors uh, to back you.
1: Yeah, so that was an amazing moment in time, an amazing part of the journey, and to degree, our, our, our first big break. Um, you know, I was with the team. Literally, we were all you know, on our way to, to, to Sportel, and I said, guys, the next phase of development for the business is, you know, we should launch a 24-7 TV channel. Um, that was the first... Probably first or second time in my career that everyone looked at me as if I was mad, and this has happened a number of times along the way. <laughs> and they were like, "What? What are you talking about?" I said, "Yeah, let, let, we're going to put a plan together." And so we we built a plan and we put a we put a you know investment documents together, and we you know we went out and we spoke to you know investors, bankers, lawyers, you know across the world around investing in this project. And if you looked at it on paper, you know management team was weak. You know, had you know, there were lots of reasons. If I was looking at it from an investment perspective, I wouldn't have done it. You, right.
0: know? you wouldn't um, have done it now. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. And look, it was the first dot com wave, and we met with, uh, with second after about a year or so, we we met with um, UPC and Liberty guys at, at MIP. They we 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 met them at a they we put a we put a, a sign. We approached them. They came to see us, and we sat down, and um, they to degree they asked us you know in that first meeting um you know how much money did you need this is an amazing visionary guy called mark schneider who was running that business and um you know i said 35 million dollars and a year later incredibly enough we we negotiated our socks off and ended up in a 50 50 joint venture with those guys and um we ended up launching the channel in in 68 countries in in 50 million homes so it, it uh it, it it was you know there was a lot of blood sweat and tears to get it to that point but it was uh yeah so those guys onboarded and um and we then uh we ran the bounced the business ran it you know launched it country after country uh uk was country number 19 so there was it was quite an interesting moment where none of my friends believed that we were running a tv channel but we were actually we were in 15 16 countries and uh uh, anyway, we then arrived uh, in the UK and launched on Sky and some of the other platforms, and um, yeah, went from there really. So um, yeah, super cool.
0: And, and where is the channel now? And, uh, you know, with the, with the world changing into OTT and everything else, uh, what, what form or shape does it exist now, or, or has it moved? Yeah, on?
1: So yeah, so it still exists. Uh, we we at the moment it thinks it's sitting in sort of twenty five countries uh, and not in terms of the subscriber numbers. We made a decision about ten years ago. We we started to see the the cracks uh, in the mainstream media space. We saw digital yeah. coming, the youth that we were dealing with, and we had an opportunity. Uh, we approached uh, Liberty and said, "Look, guys, we'd like to buy the brand uh, from from on an overall basis, and uh, you know we will sell you our position in the TV channel." And it took about a year to negotiate out that deal, but um, you know we we did that deal and. And now they they uh, they've they they obviously bought uh, well, they had Cello Media AMC Networks AMC. Then bought it and has been running that for a, for a while. And it's it's tough, right? I mean, it's yeah. super tough running those things. Uh, and in the meantime, we we as a company have focused into the other uh, the other areas that we're now we're now driving and developing.
0: Yeah. I love it. Uh, it's, it's your t- is a typical entrepreneur seeing something which maybe you know larger corporates don't you know or see the the challenges down the road and then pivoting and you know leaving what needs to be left uh, maybe to someone else. So I like that. It's a, it's a, it's a nice example there. Um, but let's let's get a bit into the in some of the other parts of the business uh, which you may be spending even more time on now, which obviously is linked to um, the the brand building side. The you know taking it creating destinations and tourism and um you know th- tell me a bit about that space and, and uh, all the things you guys are developing there
1: yeah so thank you for that um so yeah really look when we when we exited the tv channel we 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 you know we had the brand we we, we had that thought process and and really was, right, we're going to you know, build a brand franchise here from an overall perspective. And, and what can we do with this uh, on, a, on a global and a future-proofing basis? Um, and so really laid down the plan for, for three areas of focus. Um, uh, so the first off is, is the media uh, and the marketing business. So out of London, run by a guy called Ryan Maxwell. He's been with me for, I don't know, six or seven years. Um, fantastic guy. Um, he runs that business and out of that Mm. business in London we really do two things one is we run a whole collection of social media pages across all the different platforms from Instagram to Facebook to TikTok Um, and those guys are we, we really came out of the channel business and then went right let's let's do this digitally do the same thing and so that business has been running anything from kind of 25 million up to actually at times up to 200 million video views a month um and that's pushing out content across all the different areas it's running live on a regular weekly basis it's it's really really very active in that mm. in that respect and doing getting great traction and doing deals with um sponsors and advertisers um and as part of that production side of things out of that business um you know we've got i don't know we did uh many many series last year uh, across board. Uh, we're a tier one facebook sports partner globally which is amazing uh, brilliant relationship there with those guys um and so yeah so it, it's it's uh, on the media side of things it's super active um and then on the um on the agency side you know, we get, we, we work with different brands globally. So, you know, at the moment, um, Stanley Black and Decker, amazing global client working with, uh, Stanley DeWalt, Mac, they own a whole plethora of brands, Black and Decker. Um, and we're activating on athletes events, creating video content and obviously getting that out from a distribution perspective. Um, so yeah, so that, that's the London, Um, part of that that division of what we what we're doing
0: before we we move on to some of the other parts um so from the sound of it everything a lot of the things you're doing is really short form content now or what, what is sort of the length of the the content you guys are creating
1: yeah, a lot of it is short form. Absolutely. But we've also I mean, we've got a, amazingly we've got some adventure, uh, adventure, natural history stuff coming down the road to this this year, which is long form. We've got 30 minutes. We've actually got one hour documentary series, you know, 24 episodes. There's a whole whole plethora from that respect. So, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's it. But yes, the the focus for the. For the for the demographic we're dealing with is you have to you know adapt to the marketplace and understand what they want what they're viewing, what their interest is interest is and uh, you know we're working that accordingly and that's what's getting traction with uh, with today's uh, short uh, attention spans you know yeah, how it is
0: absolutely and, and, I, and I have a follow-up question on that um, You know, and and that's sort of when you look at the let's say mainstream sports, the footballs, and and, you know the NFL and the NBA's of the world. Because you know their their main revenue streams are still all long form, right? Uh, You know they're broadcasting lots of money for those. Um, But we all see that the short form is really, in some cases now, what's driving the engagement. Um, But no one has. Really cracked it yet? How to monetize it? If if you look at it from your uh, point of view now, and you've been involved in both, you know, long form having a full channel to now, you know, your own sort of digital platforms which you which you're feeding, um, you start to see that um, there is significant revenue streams out in short form um, versus what you're doing in long form.
1: Listen, it, 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 look, it's tough as it's tough to make revenues, no two ways about it, but you have to react to you have to put the customer the audience you have to put the consumer first and you have to deliver what they want and then there's that it is that really difficult point of okay they don't want long form in the in the you know in the youth demographic we're wanting right you've got to drive the short form right how do we how do we how do we make revenues there in a in a in a meaningful way on a similar basis and it's you know guy we we've we've ground away at this for you know 10 years right it, you know we're we're at 15 i think across all the platforms we've got a base of 15 million uh, fan base across across all of them and that that has taken a lot of investment a lot of time and a lot of incredible work by you know the amazing team that i'm working with as i said headed up by ron maxwell um to, to to make that work and and now it's uh, now it's starting to work so um so yeah, it's never going to be easy, and but the change is there, right? And um, you have to you have to adapt accordingly and be fleet of foot. And uh, um, and listen uh, to your point that you kindly mentioned earlier. You know, I, I pivoted and we realised you know things were going to change. I was probably a little ahead of the curve, but uh, things were going to change in the mainstream media space, and and you know we made that move pretty pretty early on in that respect.
0: No, no, absolutely. Um, Now let's talk a bit about events, um, because I believe you are putting you know extreme sport events together as well, um, and and have done over the years. Uh, Tell me something. Where where was was sort of you know highlight of that uh, over those twenty five years?
1: Yeah, so look, we've been doing, we've been playing in that space for a long time. Uh, it's got, uh, uh, you know, very, very active, um, more active in the last sort of three, five years. Um, we've actually just brought in a new managing director for that business, uh, a guy called James Cook Priest, who used to run, a uh, brilliant guy, used to run um, BBC's Top Gear Live around the world. So did arenas and stadium tours. He was also the creator of the Taste Of brand um so he's now driving that and heading it up doing a, a brilliant job and um you know we're we're the middle east is pulling us uh, and is hugely active and that business really really does it puts on adventure motorsports and extreme sports events um but it also does a lot of stunt work you know again coming back to the short form and tying in with the media guy, media platform looking at, you know, what stunt you can do with a brand or what activation you can do with a brand that kicks into short form, which then delivers the, you know, the exposure they're looking for to drive whatever good or service they're they're looking for. So, you know, and, you know, we've got some, you know, we've got some branded content in that area we're doing with a number of brands and you look at the series and then you try to sell those and yeah, you know, it all ties in from an overall perspective, but, uh, but yeah, so on the events front, um, you know hugely active we're starting to uh, rep brands in the Middle East uh, we've got a hubs in Dubai and in Riyadh obviously you mentioned kindly my um, position with the the board at Kadir earlier that's giving us. Uh, you know, huge we're hugely active in in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the transformation that, that's happening there. So uh, yeah. there's uh, there's real opportunity there from an overall perspective, which we're uh, we're grasping and committing to and investing in, you know, really properly investing there, which is uh, which is great. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, and I you know, we, we, our claim to fame in the world of extreme sports maybe is one I I'll share with you in a minute. Uh, we long, we, and I have to, I can't remember exactly the year. It's probably ten years ago. Um, we jumped over the Great Wall of China with a skateboard. A guy called Denny Wei, which I'm sure you would know. We know him well. Absolutely, yeah. fantastic job. It was uh, Quicksilver was the main sponsor. They put the money up. Um, we work with uh, with guys on the ground there to get the permit. I think there's only been three attempts or three three times someone has been allowed to jump over this. Um, he he made it. He survived, although he broke his leg or broke his foot, I think, on the or or, or injured it. Uh, on the trial run the day before, we thought he's never going to jump again. He did it five times on the next day. It was unbelievable. Uh, it was all over the press. I uh, generated $10 million worth of advertisement dollars around the world for a reasonable small amount of investment by Quicksilver, really, at that time. So I'm assuming there's the sort of things you're talking about uh, when it comes to the more uh, one off things, but it, which can create massive noise because they are so interesting and unique, right? Um,
1: yeah, absolutely absolutely that's that's exactly the type of thing that we're talking about and you know we've done you know event after event and stunt after stunt and i think the the highest viewing number we hit i think we did one uh a while ago which was very simple building a a track with some slides into a lake and a load of people having a lot of fun with you know i think that that was north of 90 million video views at some point so um yeah precisely uh precisely that so uh, yeah it's when when they go and they catch if the idea is strong then it's uh it's it's amazing it's yeah, absolutely yeah.
0: fantastic ours was uh, pre-social media days unfortunately so we never we never yeah. had this sort of a pleasure of having you know, <laughs> hundreds of millions of people uh, watching yeah. it on youtube but uh maybe yeah, they still yeah, do YouTube. now uh, now yeah. let's talk about your project in saudi um i know that saudi we all you know Anyone in the sports industry has been following, of course, the the big events they brought there from the boxing fight recently, and you know WWE is hosting one of their uh, pay per view events there, and, and a few other things, of course. Um, what is your involvement, and how does it how did you got started into this, and, and exactly what are, what are all the fun things you're doing there?
1: Yeah, so no, thank you for that. So, yeah, so look, uh, if we go to sort of the high level, if you look at kind of where Saudi is overall. Um, you know what's amazing is you know the country has been, you know, on lockdown to a degree since the 70s, and you know now uh, you know led by the you know led by the prince, you know he's laid down uh, you know an amazing vision from a 2030 perspective for a transformation of the whole country, and you know they're they're using uh, you know tourism and sports tourism and sports events as part of that transformation and you know investing back into you know the country and the people overall and so yeah i mean look from a from an overall perspective you've obviously got huge activation in the tourism space and in the event space um and hence you know as i said just you know bringing in on the extreme event side of things we've we've partnered with uh, a group called uh, Sumu in Saudi Arabia and uh and James is, is, you know, he's driving that through, you know, very, very active there from, from an overall perspective. Um, and it really started that journey um, from a uh, three years ago, I got a, asked to join the board of, uh, a, of a project called Kadir,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is the largest sports leisure entertainment complex um, ever developed. In in fact, if you look at it overall in in the history of, you know, worldwide from that respect Mm -hmm. and uh, led by a guy called Mike Reiniger who's uh, ex-Disney. I mean, just a fantastic uh, uh, CEO uh, with his amazing team. And, um, you know, that led us from, uh, you know, and I'm obviously sit on the advisory, international advisory board there. Uh, supporting that project and uh, driving that forward on on many levels it's it's absolutely enormous uh, from an overall perspective and um, and it's a privilege and an honor to to be there doing that um, and what exactly is it
0: you know go can you go a bit into specifics so you're building an extreme park or is it more event-based or what is it exactly what you guys are doing specifically
1: yeah. So, so look, if you look at Qadir overall, it's, it's, you know, heart huge project. Um, and then that stands alone. And as I said, on, uh, I said, on the board there, from extremes perspective, what we're doing is in, in Saudi is we really got, um, you know, all three divisions pretty active. Um, so on the event side of things, we are, delivering in a whole range of events and activations uh, Mm. and we're helping and supporting a number of different rights holders events, big, some really pretty big rights holders as well uh, in terms of their development in, in the kingdom. Uh, And then on the destination side of things, um, yes, we are uh, we're working with Kadir and looking at what we, what we can develop there from an overall perspective, but um, we're also working at looking at from a national tourism perspective Uh, what activities can be put in across the whole country on the the highest level. Um, So if you look at Saudi tourism, uh, they have they've decided there are sort of three main pillars they're using to develop the country out, having opened up the visas recently. And you've got to remember, this place is, you know, it's twice the size of France. Thirty three million people, 50 percent of them are under 30. You know, it's really, really, you know, it's untouched. And so one area of tourism wise they're using is is obviously culture and uh history uh and the second part is uh nature and uh sort of exploration and the third is adventure and extreme sports so you know we as a business are hugely active there in terms of um supporting the national tourism strategy uh we're working on uh out of our destination business on the design, development, business planning, uh, and obviously further down the line, branding and, and operations management of a whole collection of extreme and adventure activities. Some of them, you know, we've got some parks in development on a, a large scale basis. So that's from extreme destinations perspective is a, uh, is a, is a you know, large piece of land, think theme park, but think collection of sports activities, food and beverage, retail, accommodation, hotel, um all of that in one place um the other thing we're working on is a number of of big boxes so in into the city side of things so large warehouse type environment obviously you know which can be used all year round and a collection of adventure and extreme sports and and again food beverage retail in there which is uh, which is hugely exciting so yeah awesome. so um yeah i mean the destination business out of everything at the moment is 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 the most active that that's for sure in the in the territory as it stands.
0: When when, when will the let's say the first project or the first uh, some of these developments be ready? Um, is that we talk about you know close to it or still a few years away?
1: Yeah, still a few years away. But I think um, you know we're picking off some low hanging fruit in KSA and Kingdom at the moment uh, of activating some 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 pretty interesting. You know, natural, environmentally friendly, you know, activities that we can we can activate. You know, literally, hopefully by Q4 at the end of this year. So uh, that's that's the plan. Um, and at the moment, there's just you know, you have to remember there's so little here. So you know, it is really, really is it's virgin territory, and and you know, getting just some real you know, fantastic. But you know, straightforward, simple offers up and running is is one of our key objectives in the uh, in the short term, yeah. and the larger, longer term is is the biggest stuff from that respect.
0: Well, yeah. oh, fantastic! I, it's great to hear. I mean, we all, many of us, I'm sure, read about what's going on in Saudi and and uh, and here. You know. Hear the stories of uh, these big events coming, but it's you know you are obviously truly on the ground making it happen, and uh, and as usual I'm sure it's not as simple and as easy as it sounds like, so we won't go into that for now. Uh, I'm sure there are you know some sensitivities to all these things as always. Uh, so let me switch a bit into um, into some of the learning side of this here, which we talked about early uh, earlier. Uh, you know, over 25 years, um, you know, we look at it. Where was what is it? What you would consider um, is is an area where, looking back now, you you know you would have done it differently, or you know you would have, you know would say would say you know this is a failure where you know, where you learned a major lesson from. Um, you know, maybe if you have some examples there to get started.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, from from an overall learning perspective, I think um, you know my first point probably would be you know people, people, people. Right. And mm-hmm. we always we always uh, and I'm sure, you know, this is probably coming up many times, you know, is, you know, if you get the right people, you know, you lay down the right plan, the right vision, and then you get the right people around either the, the overall vision, but you as the entrepreneur and leading from leading from the front, uh, then you can move mountains. You can change the world. You can you can achieve, you know, so many things. And yeah. I think, look, if I was talking to my younger self and just you know and you know that would probably be you know because if you get that right team you incentivize everybody and everybody's on the same page and you know I've been through when we sold the tv channel you know I had a team of five people around me who were just utterly amazing we all went to our different you know directions everyone made a little bit of well quite a lot of money which was great uh and then uh and then you know I was going okay I've got a brand but you know, my team aren't around me anymore. So it was, it was, it was far more difficult putting that team back together than I expected. Um, mm. Now we're in amazing shape, you know, with, you know, Ryan Maxwell running the media with, with James running the events and Ben Barker running the, uh, running the extreme destinations business um, and Nicola alongside me on the COO and, and legal side of things um, and the, the, the rest of the team. And it's, uh it's it's you know you can really really that that from my perspective is probably you know people 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 uh would be would be you know my number one number one thing from a from a you know if you want to and obviously that links in with brand right um i think yeah. uh i think that uh, that if you get the branding and the positioning right and obviously we're working uh, you know with extreme we're working a b2c brand but we're also working a the brand operates in a b2b space and um, you know, that is that's is, uh, thats been hugely powerful as well from an overall perspective, obviously driving things forward.
0: Yeah, very interesting and, and my comments to that would be um, yeah, I've employed over 600 people over the last 25 years and you um, and again, yes, you you get it. You get it probably more often wrong than right. I think that's uh, that. That would be my simplest uh, way to look at it. Uh, but when you get it right, um, like you rightly said, uh, then it's really when the magic happens. Uh, you know, people who complement your own skills uh, and can do the things you you might not be that good at. That's one. But the part which I'd love to get your thoughts on is, uh, which I've seen, it's a challenge. I think for every entrepreneur, you sort of automatically. Um, looking for someone who is a bit like you, right, who walks, you know, thinks like an entrepreneur wants to operate that way. Um, and then you have a challenge because if he really is an entrepreneur one day, he will run off <laughs> with your, you know, and yep. sometimes he runs off with some parts of your business, uh, as has happened to me before as well. Um, and so how do you manage that? You know, I know incentives and, of course, having the right uh, um, structures and places is key to it, but, you know, you had any other sort of formula of, of your own experience over the 25 years?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, I think, listen, uh, you know, I've made the biggest, just like you, the big, biggest mistakes in on the people front. Um, and I think it's about incentivizing. I think it's about leading from the top. I think it's about getting together. You know, we're now, you know, we run a, a what's called, a, you know, a digital nomad structure. So, um, you know, I made the decision, you know, office space is important in certain central hubs, but with the right people, you know, get that balance of not expecting them to have to be in the office. They, you know, the right people have that work ethic, and and that structure for me. You've got to be very, very centrally well organised. But that structure is is now really, really starting to work brilliantly for me. And you know, I, I think. You know, when I get on the phone with someone and they're like, "Hey, I've just been paddleboarding." One of our main guys lives in the Seychelles, for example, Ben Barker. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and he's he's onto a call with me first thing in the morning. And you know, uh, you know, he he's like, "I've just been paddleboarding." You kind of know his head's in the right space because if you're doing those exercises, you're in that, you get that balance, and what you deliver operationally is is amazing, right? Mm. It's 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 fantastic. So, uh, so yeah, so. Uh, look it's uh it's always a challenge in that space and you know i've I've made some of the you know if not you know the biggest mistakes there for sure but uh yeah it's it's we're really really working that you know that that old school thinking everyone's got to be in the office nine to six i used to be very very much on that basis but um you know as time changes, you've got to adapt and especially with you know the younger demographic that are coming through now um, it's it's vital you work you know you, you you give that flex in my mind but it's it's a challenge no tweets about
0: it. Totally agree and, and and we're doing literally the same thing it is really about the flexibility rather than being you know worried about how many hours I spend in an office it's really about um, having the right people who know can do the job and, like you said, um, they will do it and they will do it whenever the, the, the time is right in the middle of the night. Um, how big is this sort of, just to give a bit of a sense and of scale of, of your operation in terms of the people you have in different locations, sort of, you know, what's the size, you know, is it really large or is it more boutique style, sort of, you know, like what you called it earlier, uh, nomad style?
1: Sorry, so in terms of how many people we got across each area you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, just yeah. So get a sense. We're, at about, we're at about a total of 60, so there's ballpark 20 across each of the different areas, mm-hmm. um, and it flexes and there's consultants in that mix as well. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's still, good size. you know, it's, it's, yeah. A lot of it, overheads. Uh, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of overheads, let's put it that way. So, uh, yeah, very good. Uh,
0: uh, uh, interesting. Now, you know, You've obviously had a you had some fairly illustrious investors in the company uh, with, you know with UBC and Liberty and I believe you still have uh, certain uh, backers now uh, with Kleinwort and Hambrose and uh, and some of the banks involved. Um, and, you know let's call them institutional investors uh, and they all, you know, they have most of the time a very different way of thinking than an entrepreneur uh, and someone like yourself or me. Uh, you know, how do you deal with these guys? You know, what is it? What's the learning out of this? Uh, you know, dealing with these sort of type of uh, institutional investors.
1: Yeah, look, great question, super good question. Um, you know, look, we we had a joint venture with Liberty and UPC, Europe's largest cable company, back in the day on the Channel side of things, and I was young, and we built a business there, and what happened was as Liberty came in and there was a lot of change, um, actually a collection of the media guys I'd been dealing with for many years kind of got sidelined. They got pushed out and, um, you know, a collection, new management team came in who were many of them were ex-Goldman Sachs bankers, super on it, very, very bright, um, but also super feisty. <laughs> and um, they were like, how? Did you guys, to a degree, looking at us as a bunch of kids? How did you guys get to own fifty percent of this business, right? <laughs> and so, you know, we ended up uh, we ended up in in court. Well, arbitration it was, you know, three times uh, right. where they were, you know, they were, you know, trying to dilute us, and mm-hmm. that was pretty intense. And um, and takes a real f- focus away from the management team. And yeah. I, you know, I was younger, and I just went all guns blazing. Right. And, uh, you know, at them to protect our position and our interest. And look, if I looked at if that same situation was now is, uh, you know, we were just, hey, you know, you know, we're going to take you on head to head. And we ended up in arbitration, you know, Clifford Chance and 10 lawyers on the other side, me and our internal lawyer, amazing guy who still works with me now, Adam Oliver. Brilliant, brilliant lawyer. Um, And uh, and we won. And mm. we kept winning, and we won again, and we went back again, and we won. And 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 you know that's great, if you win, but it's okay, great. It's very draining, but also you frustrate the other side, break down in relationships. In these yeah. days, I would I would, you know, call the chief exec and say, "Look, let's go have some lunch and some dinner, and try and work it out, right? And try and mm. just calm it, and you know." And really, really navigate and try and negotiate your way through it, right? So, yeah. um, you know. But again, you know, a number of people, you know, we've, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've got a number of uh, people who continue to underestimate us at the moment. Um, and occasionally, you have to protect your interests and you have to go for it. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, we have an interesting, uh, and this is this is the this is just. Uh, publicly uh this hasn't been talked about at the moment but we have a uh, we have a brand issue running with Formula E with sorry with Extreme E at the moment right so we are we can see we're heading for we're heading for a clash with those guys we said you know there's a whole story behind this but you know mm-hmm. we we pitched them on a load of work we did a whole load of stuff with them and uh suddenly that was when they were all at Formula E and now they suddenly launched uh, extreme e and we've got a we've got a you know we've got a we've got an issue there right we definitely yeah. have an issue there and you know we have all our you know we have our internal to internal and external ip lawyers firing up working through all the detail and you know there's going to be a head-to-head there so we shall see what happens on that one but mm-hmm. uh, and i've actually on that again i've tried to reach out and these guys have made the decision on the other side. you know they don't want to talk they want to Head down the other route, and you have to protect your interests at certain times. So we shall we shall see what happens there. But uh, yeah. there's a there's a there's a bit of uh, insider information that hasn't hasn't come out as yet that may uh, uh,
0: appreciate uh, uh, appreciate that. And and, uh, and I think the learning again is that uh, when you run a business, uh, run a successful business, and other people will come. Uh, and we'll either try to take things away or we'll uh, try to change the goalposts around happens all the time. I've, I don't know how many examples I could I could quote here. Um, and you're right. Uh, the better way is not to bring lawyers in and because they just make plenty of money on the back of you uh, and find ways to sort it out, but it doesn't always work. We've seen it uh, here as well. And, and so sometimes you just have to go in there with, with, with all guns blazing. And it's But it is so distracting um, and it takes the energy and, and, uh, and the focus away. And uh, I've never ever seen anything good come out of it, to be honest, uh, in, on my own personal experiences. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel for you. Uh, it's uh, this is no fun no. now. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, but these, uh, you, you had some additional <laughs> thoughts.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, completely agree that I think look, there's it's, it's a very different, you know, the days of old of when you're in a joint venture with someone against where someone's just infringing, blatantly infringing your IP rights um, you know, where you've got brand registrations, et cetera. There's just, uh, there's two different, uh, two different things. So I think there's times where you want to, poor bomb, navigate, negotiate, work everything you can to, to make things work. And there are other times where you need to protect your rights uh, on, uh, you know, with, with all the resources you've got, whether those are you know, internal or external. So, yeah, look, I couldn't agree with you more there. So um, your, your current yeah, backers,
0: just to uh, maybe if you can touch on it a little bit, uh, the, the, the investors who you currently have in the company, um, how do you see them? How did they come in at one point in time? Is it particular to a project or more in a general sense?
1: Yep. So uh, Climble Benson, Hambro, Sock are uh, you know, uh, amazing, uh, been su- super supportive. They came in really with a, when we were really laying down on the vision on the licensing side of things, which is uh, which is super interesting. The licensing market has obviously changed significantly um, from an overall perspective with, you know, all of those big groups. Those guys have been, uh, you know, amazingly and are amazingly supportive overall. Um, and um, yeah, so and continue to be so. So um, yeah, it's been uh, they, they've been really, really great from an overall perspective, and uh, yeah, fantastic from that side. Uh, and continue uh, to be
0: so. Uh, one thing I've we have we've had a private equity fund in the company as well for many years, and one thing I do I, I feel that we all learn, especially when an entrepreneur. Uh, even if you have a business degree or whatever, uh, I think they, there's a certain discipline these guys bring along, right? Um, there are Absolutely. reports, there are certain things, uh, board meetings, and other things which you would probably run slightly differently. with uh, these guys bring to it—is is that your experience as well?
1: Yeah, I think. Look, and it brings that discipline. I think. Look, how many entrepreneurs do I meet without even, you know, who don't even don't have a board? Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think it's uh, it, it does bring that discipline, which can be super helpful um, if. if You know, as an overall. And I think, uh, uh, you know, I think there's a time where they're they're obviously fantastic to have them in the business. And there are other times where they are. uh, They are trouble. Right. So uh, uh, from an entrepreneur perspective. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 all good. The ebb and flow. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we're in a we're in an incredibly interesting moment from a business perspective. And I'm I'm uh, you know, I my my one of my key things is making sure as we did with the TV channel, you know, the core group groups around me, team around me, you know, everyone had significant shareholding in the business. And, you know, that's that's the other thing that I truly believe in. And on an overall basis, uh, you know, making making sure that it's happening. And we're yeah, actually we're right in the middle of, of getting that put into place as we speak. So, um, yeah, all good.
0: That's awesome. Now, I'd love to talk a bit about. The sport itself, um, you know, extreme sports. When you started, like you rightly said, was young, fresh. So a bit like what esports is now, you uh, know, or e-gaming is now. Uh, it was the sort of hot thing, the cool thing. No one had to kind of figured out really how to make money with it, but it was there, and, and there was an audience for it. And that's, you know, we just said 25 years ago. You know, we had the X Games there. Now some of the sports are in the Olympics. You know, you have snowboarding and skateboarding and rock climbing and God knows what uh, different disciplines which made it to the Olympics, which is great on one side, but also probably takes the coolness a bit away. Um, all of a sudden, you see that the Olympics. Um, where do you see? You know, what's happening? Where do you see the sport going?
1: Yeah. So, listen. They. They. You know as as I've grown up to a degree you know they've grown up right and they've become more mass market and that present presents its challenges but also its opportunities so my view here is if you go high level is you know the media side of things was hot you know in our space uh you know when we launched the tv channel um that media has been disseminated across all the digital platforms now and whether it's people pick it up on you know, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you're picking up, you know, the younger demographic, wherever they're getting media, it is. It is, And there's, you know, a plethora of these sports, you know, available or, on all different platforms. So I think the sports themselves are maturing, um, as you said, inclusion in the Olympics. I think the, for me, the the next wave and the next area of, of this is if you if you look at high level stuff that's going on, you know, we're all spending a huge amount of time on electronics. And so when we then get our free time and our spare time, people want to do stuff that is gonna disengage them, maybe flush a little bit of adrenaline through their system to disengage you from uh from uh you know the electronics that we all spend way too much time around. And so for me, the next phase is experiences, right? And that's why our extreme destinations business is is so core and central to You know what we're doing and the events business from that respect so um and working through and looking at these sports and going okay from you know whether you want to go and try them or it's actually taking part or you know it's even down to you know we whether it's adventure extreme or or fun activities you know we're now dealing with you know looking at over a hundred different things different activities if we're starting to develop stuff so i think um you know, really, you know, now is the wave that is coming through from an experiential perspective that is super exciting. Um, And, you know, tourism authorities around the world have, and countries around the world have woken up and realized that our sports, you know, they may not be the largest segment from a tourism perspective, but right now they are the fastest growing by a long, long mile, right? right? And hence, yeah, absolutely. And hence, you know, going back to the intelligence and the incredibly, you know, sensible strategic move that Saudi is making in using these sports as a key driver. And we'd we'd refer to those as adventure and extreme and fun sports. I mean there's a whole plethora of activities. And so um so yeah, so that that really for me is in terms of the next wave and phase here of of where we're focusing the business, it is in that area and, you know, we're working, you know, a number of with a number of governments, tourism authorities and developers on developing a whole range of uh, different activities and also doing a lot of strategy doesn't you know business development uh, you know planning you know what 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 are you doing either regionally in a country or, or nationally from that respect as well which is uh, which is which is super exciting.
0: Yeah it's very interesting and we're doing a bit of that work as well and I think I mentioned too, when we spoke last time uh, a project we have here in Malaysia uh, which is again a master plan of for sports so we're going to talk some more about it uh, you know offline. Uh, now Esports, you know, we, we can't ignore it. As I said, it's a bit like what uh, extreme sports was maybe 20 years ago. Um, it's hot, it's there, it's where the young generations are. How do you guys connect with that? Um, you know, there are obviously esports games um, uh, which you can play on your computer. Uh, so it's yeah, extreme games, uh, I guess. Um, but where is the, where do you see the, the synergy there or some learning of, you know, what you did before which could relate to, to this new world?
1: yeah so i think listen i think um what's been you know amazing there has been the growth in this area and look it's it's you know it's 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 come at us you know not that fast actually i mean gaming has been around for a long time and it's been developing in the way that has so yeah so uh, listen it's it's the new wave that's coming through um we've got uh we've got a couple of projects we're working on that in in this space which at the moment are confidential but are coming um and uh, and I think, look, it's it's the the next wave that's really starting to 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 come at us, and uh, is is from a youth focused perspective, is is that, and it's utterly amazing having been to you know a number of the events where you start to understand. Oh, forgive the uh, forgive the office dog in the background. Um, so uh, yeah, so it's it's um listen, it's amazing, it's fantastic, it's definitely part of the next. You know, if you look at. If you look at uh, you know look at the, 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 the different sectors and different areas from a youth perspective this is this is a key one you know alongside music alongside film alongside you know all of those uh, all of those different different areas so um, yeah very very good from, from that respect
0: yeah I, I would imagine with again your experience 25 years ago and over the last 25 years, in a which was always considered a youth market sport or, or sports for the youth, and now um esports obviously maybe sort of have taken over there um there should be parallels and there should be things for you guys to look at and say hey we've seen this before and now we and we know what we need to be doing in it I'm, I, I can only imagine that so uh, uh you know hopefully next time you can share some of those activities as well um uh, that they're obviously out there
1: yeah, I think, listen, in terms of, you know, the experience, whether it's you or I've got uh, watching some of these guys come through and trying to, you know, it's new to and fresh to them and how to work it. You know, it's uh, look, it, it's it's amazing. And, um, you know, it's definitely, you know, one of the next waves that's coming through. So, uh, yeah, very, very cool.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time here I think we're just nicely at, at the sort of the finishing line here uh, I don't know if you have any last thoughts uh, to wrap this up uh, before I let you all go there and, and play with your with your office doc <laughs>
1: <laughs> absolutely no uh, amazing and look uh, Marcus thank you so much for uh, for giving me the opportunity to to chat with you here today and um, yeah really uh really look forward to uh, to seeing how your uh, your podcast progresses. And um, again, thank you very much indeed. Have a great day. Yeah, no,
0: thank you for joining us. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It's always a great way to compare notes with a fellow entrepreneur which almost a you know, similar time frame as, as myself. Uh, wish you best of luck with all the, everything there in Saudi and, and all the other projects you have coming up. And we'll talk again very soon. Wonderful. Well, look,
1: the... Uh as I look outside the window here, I'm I'm in actually in in we're living in Switzerland at the moment, and for the for the season the snow is falling thick and fast. And uh, I will uh, rather than playing with the dogs, I'm definitely planning to head out and see if we can grab some some powder this afternoon. So uh, yeah, all good.
0: Sounds like fun. Have a good one, I'll Talk to you again soon,
1: Marcus. Thank you very much. Have a good one. <laughs> bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye.